This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 12, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Ohio's ballot initiative aimed at ending marijuana prohibition failed on Election Day. And that was perhaps for very good reasons. The tone-deaf marketing and the cronyism baked into the initiative seemed to combine to give voters second thoughts. Morgan Fox is communications manager at the Marijuana Policy Project. We spoke this week. So in the Ohio ballot initiative, what were some of the key problems, both with the initiative as a, as a structural matter and the marketing of it, uh, that caused voters there to turn it back? Well, I think that the number one problem that they faced was that this was an off-off-year election between a presidential election and a midterm election. These normally have much lower turnout, and the people that do show up tend to be older and more socially conservative, groups that demographically have far lesser support for legalizing marijuana in any form. Um, I think that a lot of people were made very uncomfortable by the advertising that was done with the campaign, uh, predominantly the uh, marijuana mascot who looked like a superhero with a bud of marijuana for a head. Uh, you know, This not only opened up uh, the opportunity for opposition forces to uh, claim comparisons to Joe Camel and Big Tobacco 2.0, but it also uh, really upset a lot of activists who had been working for decades to try to professionalize the marijuana policy movement. Uh, but by far the most divisive thing was the uh, structure in the ballot language that would have uh, granted sole constitutional cultivation rights to 10 groups. Uh, this would not have been in very easy to change since it was in the state constitution. And a lot of people were concerned that this would create issues with demand uh, or with being able to uh, supply uh, marijuana both to the volume that would be necessary to uh, meet demand in the state, but also for patients who might need strains that wouldn't necessarily be very popular and therefore wouldn't generate a lot of revenue. Colorado is reputed to be the, the state that has done this the best, and they allow for personal uh, cultivation. Washington, D.C., when they legalized marijuana, allowed for personal cultivation. So what difference does that make? Well, I think that people really want to see this regulated similarly to the way alcohol is. and. Uh, in most states, it's legal to brew your own beer at home as long as you're not necessarily trying to sell it and as long as you're growing it within uh, certain limits. And I think that most people, when they look at marijuana, they want to see similar regulation so that if you decide to grow a few plants in your house, then it's not really considered that big of a deal. But if you want to sell it to anybody, you have to be registered by the state and you have to get a license. All right, because it's an intoxicating uh, product. Absolutely. And I don't think that anybody, no matter how much some activists and supporters might uh, really desire it to be regulated like a tomato, uh, I don't think that voters are ready for that yet. Okay. So this Ohio initiative, you said that the the thing that turned off people the most was this weird structure where there were uh, 10 groups that stood to profit handsomely and exclusively from this limited franchise right to provide marijuana to the state of Ohio. As all the other states that have made marijuana legal have uh, limited the number of cultivators that you can have, although none of them had uh, any limit as low as 10. Uh, but all of the people that were going to be getting these licenses were to be licensed by the state based on merit-based applications. And you didn't see that in Ohio. What you saw was that only the people that invested in the campaign itself would have had cultivation rights. And this would have been cemented into the state constitution, making it very difficult to change. Uh, there's no guarantee that the people that had those licenses would have the knowledge or the skill necessary to actually keep up with the market. So how does this change, if at all, 
the landscape for states that want to move ahead with either medical marijuana or full legalization in the next five to 10 years? I don't really think it changes it at all. I mean, this was a very unique initiative in a off-off-year election. And when the uh, the states that are going to be looking at this uh, next year aren't looking at language that's similar to it. Uh, they are going to be much more competitive licensing for cultivation. And uh, honestly, voters in uh, those states, which are Arizona, California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada, aren't going to care what voters in Ohio did this year. Does it provide instruction for uh, folks in other states, like this is how you don't do it? Uh, I think that there's a lot to be learned from this initiative, uh, both with the language and the structure. You know, Voters have spoken and they said that they obviously prefer, uh, prefer more competitive licensing. Uh, they don't like uh, the advertising the way that it was done. Anything that could possibly be considered as appealing to children is obviously not going to be a good idea. If you look around the country, uh, nationally, as well as the states that are considering ballot initiatives, uh, support for prohibition is falling and support for regulating the substance similarly to alcohol is growing. Uh, People are starting to pay a lot more attention to the details and how it's being done. But I think that that's also important because we need to make sure that these laws are passed and uh, develop structures that we can look at and say, this is a great idea. You know, things that are going to build good examples that other states can build upon. One of the things that remains a challenge for uh, states that have legalized marijuana or that may legalize it in the future is this idea of measuring potency. And that, that seems to be just a, just a really a vexing problem. Is there anything technologically that is moving ahead that will help uh, producers be able to uh, publish that kind of information, or is that just too hard to do? Well, in most legal states, testing is very much required for any product that goes to market. So there are going to be laboratories that they have to test every single batch to make sure that uh, there are no pesticides. And potency, it really isn't that big of an issue. Now, obviously, consumers need to know exactly how strong the substances are that they're consuming, but that doesn't mean that something with a certain level of strength should be outlawed while something that's a little bit weaker uh, would be allowed. You know, um, particularly when we're talking about something that is smoked, uh, the less of it you have to smoke, the better it's going to be for your lungs. And when we're looking at uh, comparisons to alcohol, you know, we legally allow uh, people to sell liquor as well as beer, and consumers know the difference in what sort of effects that they should uh, be expecting. And that's why education is so important in states that make marijuana legal, and which we've been doing with our Consume Responsibly campaign, making sure that people know exactly what they're eating, making sure that uh, edible products and concentrates are clearly labeled, and making sure that uh, people know that they shouldn't uh, consume too much of these if they're inexperienced users. Most of the success of uh, ending prohibition and legalizing marijuana um, have been at the ballot. So what has been the success of at least moving the ball forward when it comes to state legislatures? Well, we've been able to pass a number of measures, either making marijuana marijuana legal or removing criminal penalties and the threat of jail. Uh, you know, unfortunately, politicians are always behind the people when it comes to this issue. And slowly, we've been moving the needle. Um, you know, this is starting to become something that politicians not only can't ignore, but do damage to themselves if they uh, oppose. And now we're finally starting to see some movement in state legislatures towards regulating marijuana like alcohol, particularly in Vermont and Rhode Island. In the political arena, you're talking about politicians. Uh, Bernie Sanders has said he he would remove criminal penalties at the federal level for marijuana. Hillary Clinton has said she would move marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. 
so making it more like cocaine and morphine uh, in, in its treatment. Um, and in Kentucky, just earlier this month, we had a Republican candidate for office who was openly supporting medical marijuana and his Democratic opponent was attacking him for it. Yeah, I think that's really indicative of the fact that this is an issue that transcends partisanship, uh, particularly if you're a conservative, uh, you know, if you support states' rights, if you support uh, limited government, if you support fiscal responsibility, if you support personal autonomy, then you have to support ending marijuana prohibition. It's as simple as that. And now we're finally starting to see politicians get on board with this. Uh, particularly when you talk about the presidential candidates, I think it's really amazing that we've finally been uh, able to get to a point where uh, you can't remain silent on the issue. And if you are continuing the same hawkish war on drugs mentality, you're singled out and ridiculed, as we saw with Chris Christie. Morgan Fox is communications manager at the Marijuana Policy Project. Learn more about the failures of the war on drugs at our website, cato.org.